Let's imagine the not-too-distant future. You feel more in control of your photos than you ever have before. You look forward to the regular creative dates on your calendar. You're moving forward on that project that means so much to you. You are on fire with inspiration, and you are finally scrapbooking consistently. This is not a hypothetical, it's a real-life possibility. And for the first time, I've created a workshop specifically focused on the problem of consistency. It's called Sparked, and I'm excited to share it with you for free. Visit simplescrapper.com sparked to get access to the training and make this possibility your reality. That evolution from moving from kind of a glorified photo album, like a very pretty page, to including more of our stories and feeling like I'm developing kind of like this family history or a library of our family stories is really how it's changed. Welcome to Scrapbook Your Way, the show that explores the breadth of ways to be a memory keeper today. I'm your host, Jennifer Wilson, owner of Simple Scrapper and author of The New Rules of Scrapbooking. This is episode 132. In this episode, I'm interviewing Leslie Vanderwall for the My Way series. My Way is all about celebrating the unique ways memory keepers get things done. We're excited to have Leslie as the September featured artist at Simple Scrapper. Hey, Leslie, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much, Jennifer. This is fun. Thanks for having me. Yes, I am looking forward to our conversation, but can you kick things off and share a little more about you? Sure. My name is Leslie Vanderwall. My husband, Brad, and I are living in mid-Michigan, kind of right in the middle of the mitten. We're not native Michiganders, but we have been here nine years, which is the longest we have been anywhere (laughs) since we've been married. So that feels pretty great. We have three children, Drew, Reed, and Ruby. And I have been a stay-at-home mom since our oldest was born, and he is 14 and a half now. So I've been raising them and volunteering as much as I can at their schools and at our church. A couple of years ago, my daughter, Ruby, she um, went off to kindergarten. So with all of my kids in school full-time, I was trying to figure out what was next for me. And while I said that I would never, ever, ever do daycare, that's what I ended up doing. I got my license to do daycare out of my home. And so I do primarily do care for students or for kids at the elementary school that my daughter goes to before and after school care. So it's just a part-time gig and it's working for now. So that's what I'm doing in oh, that. super fun. Yeah. In those kind oh. of off times, trying to, trying to just figure it out, like what's next for me. And that was a good first step anyway. Oh, for sure. And I think the older we get, the more we realize we're always going to kind of be in that. Like, okay, okay, here we are. Now what's next? Yeah. And, you know, when you're, when you're young, you feel like, okay, this is, this is the plan and this is what life's going to be like. And we soon recognize that it's not always perfect. There's changes, there's bumps in the road. And we're always kind of constantly evaluating, okay, now what's, what's important right now? And I think COVID, uh, shined a light a lot for us on what's really important, what our values are, and, and maybe shifted for people what what we want to do next. For sure. Absolutely. And I feel so lucky 
I know how lucky I am to have been able to be home for this long. And some mm-hmm. of that um, just comes with some of some of that, honestly, was because I never really felt like I knew what I wanted to do career wise. And sure, I am 41. And I still kind of feel that way. <laughs> but that's okay. You know, we're having fun. And, and like you said, we're just kind of making decisions as we go. So 100%. All right. So what's exciting you now inside of scrapbooking? This was a fun question to think about. And um, at the risk of kind of sounding sappy (laughs) or a little lovey-dovey or mushy about it, I really am loving the community that surrounds this hobby. Um, I have been a scrapbooker for years. I've been in the hobby for years. And I'm a member of a few Facebook groups, you know, for particular brands or, or different leaders Mm -hmm. kind of throughout the industry. I have followed some favorites on Instagram, you know, but not really kind of more of a sideline lurker. And I don't know if it was because of COVID, because of kind of the isolation or because of what exactly it was about it. But I've, I got brave and I started my crafty Instagram profile just at the beginning of this year, at the beginning of 2021, really because I was looking for connecting and connection with people who are like-minded in this memory-keeping hobby. And I tell you what, it did not take long to feel welcomed and supported and encouraged and almost immediately started cultivating some friendships, like these weird yeah. internet online friendships. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, oh, she's my friend. It takes on a whole kind of sort of different mean- meaning with social media. But And even something like this, Jennifer, like you reaching out to me and kind of like pulling me out of this abyss. Like I'm just a mom hanging out in my basement playing with paper. Like, <laughs> you know, like, like there's such a celebratory and like I don't feel like there's a competition. I don't feel like there's this scarcity mentality. There really is enough for everyone. And I hope that's what people get from me too, you know, as I communicate and reciprocate online. But I know that Tashiana Gordon, she always says that this community is magical. Oh, it <laughs> is. 100%. I, yes, yes. I think that that's true. And I think that maybe sounds silly to people outside of the crafting community, but I just have found it to be this really remarkable sort of place where people are women. I know that there are men, some lovely men too in this community, but primarily women who are just really celebrating and lifting each other up. And it just has been really, really awesome. And I'm so, so grateful for it. Well, and I love how it seems like it was one small decision that maybe felt like a big decision to put yourself out there with a crafty Instagram account and say, I'm going to deliberately and intentionally share um, my my ideas, my pages, my projects, mm-hmm. my stories, and you know my advice from my experiences and how that resonates with people and can help not only fulfill something that you need, but fulfill something that they need as well. Yeah, that's totally true. And when I really sit and think about it, I think it's because, you know, we're not just sharing our creativeness or how we can, you know, bring stuff together on a page. We're sharing our stories. And a lot of those Mm -hmm. stories are hard and vulnerable and, you know, sharing your life with people. Like that's a big deal. And we just kind of all jumped in head first to do it. And it really mm-hmm. makes that connection meaningful. I think that's part of the that special magic though, is because it's yeah. not just 
a craft or a hobby. And I'm not, I don't want to diminish like quilting or woodworking or sewing or whatever you do, but because this is so personal, I think that's part of why it's something that people tend not to maybe put down for a a year, a decade at a time. And, And though they do, it's really something we feel so deeply ingrained into our lifestyle because we're telling the stories we're living. Absolutely. For sure. So speaking of stories, we love to talk about what are the stories on your memory keeping bucket list. So these tend to be maybe a little bit bigger, maybe a little bit deeper. They're not always super serious, but they feel important to get told. Mm -hmm. So what would one story on your memory keeping bucket list be? So the one that came to mind right away, kind of uh, not a specific story, but uh, some memories for me. My I have two brothers, and we have been, I guess we've been feeling nostalgic lately, and we have been reminiscing the last few times we've been together about our grandparents. Um, these are our mother's parents, and they have been gone for a while, but we have um, just a lot of memories around them and their house, especially, and kind of our traditions and the things that we would do with them. And my brother shared one memory and it's just the quirkiest little thing about my grandparents' house. So they lived in a really old, kind of a larger home, but it was really old years ago. So it's, it's old and their basement, it was more like, um, it was more cellar like, you know, it had a low ceiling. It, um, it was dark. It was kind of moist, kind of wet down there and cold. And it was primarily just used for food storage. Like there were freezers and refrigerators and my grandmother Mm -hmm. canned from her garden. So lots of canning shelves. And he was, he was, um, talking about that basement and about how, when you, when you walked down these stairs that kind of curved you opened the door and you had to duck because of the low ceiling, but right on the threshold on the ground was this piece of um, plywood, like a thin piece of wood right at the on the ground, right as you entered through the door. And the reason it was there was because there was always this small puddle of water. And so in order mm-hmm. to not step in the water, that board was there to step on. And he, mm-hmm. he brought this memory up and it's just the silliest, quirkiest little detail. But in that moment, I felt like I was completely transported back to that little stairwell, standing there, opening the door, ducking my head. I could smell like that musty smell. I could see my grandmother like opening the freezer and reaching down into the, like it sparked like this moment for me. And, and it just reminded me so much of these tiny little details. Yeah. We have like these big grand memories of gathering at the holidays and the food that we ate and the traditions that we have, but this little tiny detail, I was like, oh, what else have I forgotten? What else, what else is there, especially about their house? And so what I would love to do, and I haven't done it yet, but get like a group chat or a group email going with my brothers and my cousins. There are 10 of us, 10 grandchildren, and just start reminiscing and eventually put all those memories into some kind of digital memory book so that we could make multiple copies, you know, and share them and, um, you know, using photographs and just words, just something really simple, really basic and easy just to kind of capture kind of our group memories about our grandparents and their house and our time with them. They really are some of the, the moments, like the best moments of my childhood. And I've never really, I've told little stories here and there, but I've never really had like a full comprehensive kind of book about it. And I would really love to make that happen. Oh, that sounds amazing. And I love the idea that you've kind of 
tweak the format to make it more accessible and reproducible to share it with others. I think we we have that conversation a lot, whether you have multiple children or multiple siblings or cousins or whoever's involved in your family that you want to share these stories with, that's going to influence the types of formats we choose. And fortunately, today, we have all the options at our disposal. So it's just picking the one that really works best for the project. Right, exactly. Yep. All right, let's dig in more to your story and scrapbooking. So this is a My Way episode where we peel back the curtain on your hobby because you are our September featured artist at Simple Scrapper. That's exciting. (laughs) Thank you. We are so thrilled to have you. (laughs) So can you talk a little bit more about how you got started and, and why you became a scrapbooker? This was a tough question for me because I can't really remember. I know that when I was young, you know, I had, I had the sticker collection and I (laughs) loved stationery and cars. Like Hallmark was my favorite store to spend my money in. Um, I, at some point got a camera and I'm, I'm thinking it was middle schoolish, you know, like 11, 12, 13, somewhere Mm -hmm. in there got a camera. I loved taking the photos. I loved having them developed and, you know, the excitement of going and picking them up and seeing what came out and making the albums. I always wanted my photographs in a photo album. So it seems kind of logical for me that the paper crafting and the scrapbooking seems like a natural sort of progression for those sorts of interests that I had when I was young. But I really am, I cannot remember for the life of me how it came about. I had a friend in college, so this would have been right about 20 years ago, who gave me a scrapbook, an empty blank scrapbook for my birthday, probably my junior or senior year in college. And I don't know if she and I had had a conversation about scrapbooking, like this would be something I would like to do, I'd like to try it. I don't think that she was a scrapbooker, not to my memory. Maybe she was just intuitive enough to know that this would be something that I would like, but she gave me this scrapbook. So I have this, it was a spiral bound 12 by 12 album. It had just cardstock, like white cardstock pages. And I used it and put my first scrapbook together. I created a memory book of um, the summer prior where I was a camp counselor. And the supplies that I had were that book. And I had, um, it was not cardstock, but it was just like copy paper weight colored paper, like the colors of the rainbow colored paper. I had all of those scissors that cut those fancy edges, like the pinking shears, the the Mm -hmm. wavy shears. I probably had, I don't know, 10 or 12 pairs of those. I think I I only just decluttered those last year. (laughs) I still have them. I still have them. My daughter uses them. So I'm hanging on to them for now, but I still have them. I don't, I don't use them anymore, but we still have them. Um, And a glue stick. I don't even know that Uh I had any stickers to put in it, but I hacked those pictures up with those terrible scissors and I cut like geometric shapes or something out of that colored paper for, I don't know, to make my own embellishments or to (laughs) add color to the page, I guess. And it is just the ugliest, worst, hideous like book of joy, I think, that I... (laughs) Have ever it it made. sounds practically identical to my first scrapbook. Oh, so man. I think, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, it was like classic sc- scrapbooking, I guess, in the early 2000s. But um, 
that was kind of the starting point. I was into it. I loved working with my hands. At some point shortly after that, I know that I started subscribing to the Creating Keepsakes magazine. Mm-hmm. So I was definitely, I was definitely um, interested in the craft. I had started, my husband and I got married right after I graduated from college and I had started an album for us kind of, you know, walking through our relationship and things and had gotten up to our wedding day in the book and lost a little bit of steam for it. I think I was just in a phase of wanting to learn, you know, I was still getting that magazine. I was consuming a lot of information about how do you do this and what supplies do I need? And, you know, all that sorts of things of when you start something new. Um, but when our first son was born, he was born in 2007. And at that point, I knew that this was something that I wanted to do. I wanted to make albums for him. I had played around enough. I had learned. I was motivated. Um, I picked up a 12 by 12 album. I think at the time, you know, 12 by 12 and eight and a half by 11 were maybe the sizes we had to choose from. So I went big and I went 12 by 12. And it's really just an album filled with like the, the, the traditional sort of milestones and celebrations and traditions and stuff of his, you know, babyhood and toddlerhood. And it sort of has just, I've been doing it ever since. So, so how has your hobby changed in that time since maybe, you know, from 2007 to now, I think Um, that the, what kind of evolutions have you seen? Yeah, I think that the biggest change for me personally has just been this idea of storytelling and Mm -hmm. telling the stories. You know, those early albums for my son, they're great. I mean, I enjoy looking back on them, but it definitely lacks the storytelling aspect. There's a lot of pictures. There's a lot of pretty stuff. Um, There might be a few words here and there about what the event was, your first birthday or whatever, Um, but that evolution from moving from kind of a glorified photo album, like a very pretty page to including more of our stories and feeling like I'm developing kind of like this, you know, a family history or a library of our family stories is really how it's changed in. um, So our first son in 2007, and then our second son was born in 2009. And somewhere in between those years, I started a blog and we have always lived a distance from family. And so I wanted a way to share specifically photographs of our new children with extended relatives. And so what started it even there is just really kind of sharing photos with a caption here or there really developed into writing our stories. And so for several years, I kept that blog and and became kind of a storyteller first on the blog. And then when Becky Higgins, you know, started Project Life and that whole pocket page system of scrapbooking and really kind of the everyday life, everyday stories, that weekly format kind of spurred me on even more. I loved that, um, the storytelling part of that. And then of course I have followed Allie Edwards since her, I believe she was a contributor in creating keepsakes and kind of picked up Uh, found her again online and picked up her philosophy of storytelling using those words and photos um, has really just sort of propelled me past these let's keep our photos in a pretty album to that more deeper, meaningful sorts of sharing our stories kind of memory keeping. 
Sure, sure. Yeah. No, it's so awesome that you've just kind of, it's almost like it's an organic evolution. Even going back to the childhood, like every every little step was a seed planted for what you were going to do next. And it's just kind of unfolded for you. And I think I want to celebrate that you've just been open to those changes and those shifts and the possibilities of what what I could achieve or what I could create if I just explore this one angle or try this new thing. So that's really awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely been thinking about it. It's kind of interesting seeing all those puzzle pieces sort of come together for me, for sure. So how would you describe your style? Maybe someone, we're going to include, you know, your link to your Instagram inside our show notes, but if someone's never seen your pages before, how would you describe what they look like? I definitely tend to be more of a linear and clean um, maker of pages. I'm definitely drawn to a grid. I love a good grid. I will always fall back on that design option if I feel like something is not quite coming together. They just make sense to me. Um, I I will use... Um, I've, I've mainly taken to using white cardstock. That empty white space is always appealing to me. Although in the past, I used a lot of colored cardstock and a lot of pattern papers. So I have a good stash and I have been having fun trying to incorporate those in a meaningful way and in a purposeful way back onto my pages just to use up, you know, use up those supplies. But I definitely like a cleaner look, less cluttered, 90, probably 98% of the time. 99% of the time, my journaling is typed, not Mm -hmm. necessarily because I don't like my handwriting. Um, Actually, I've been trying to use my handwriting more because I I understand the value of preserving that. Um, But it just goes back to those clean lines, like seeing that clean line typed journaling. um, Plus, I can say more. You will find a lot of journaling on most of my... (laughs) On most of my pages, clearly I have a lot of thoughts and I have a lot of things to say. Um, I've found that because like life today is so typewritten, not only can can I say more because of the, just the physical space of, of what (laughs) typed words can do, but I do say more because I'm much more comfortable elaborating in a typed format than I am in handwriting these days. That's true. And you can go back and you can edit and you can delete and you can move things around and have it make more sense. That you helps know, too. <laughs> that that sort of thing. That's my very like <laughs> my English, I guess, that I like to grammar and stuff. Um, I'm likely a little bit more hybrid, but it's never my first inclination to describe myself that way. I really enjoy digitals, especially with with um, you know typing the journaling. Um, it's a lot easier to just type on a digital journal card and print it out. And then to feed that physical card through, although I do feed that physical card through all the time, but I'm still learning a lot in the digital department. So I always hesitate to be like, oh yeah, I'm a hybrid scrapbooker. Um, I love embellishments. I love the idea of embellishments, I guess I should say. I love the size, the variety, the texture, you know, the fun that they add to the page. But more often than not, I feel like I don't know what I'm doing with them. (laughs) If there's not oh, interesting, yeah. If it if it just if it feels like there's not a clear uh, space for them or spot for them, you know, I can follow the rule of thirds. I try to do that because that makes sense to me. But sometimes, it, sometimes it's it's difficult for me to find 
I don't know. And maybe that's because I do lean a little bit more to the simple. I'm not really sure. I mean, I have plenty of embellishments. I keep buying them. So I like them, uh, but I do struggle to use them on occasion. So, well, I think there's a, there's a couple different things here. So I know that when I was really focused on pattern paper, um, and it was about more of the structure of the page, then I would like agonize over, okay, where where are the embellishments going to go so that I can have the visual triangle and all that and make it look good. But the the more that I started using pattern paper, kind of sparingly just for a particular attribute and to make it more intentional, the more I was able to then select those intentional embellishments. So in looking at your pages, I'm like scrolling your Instagram. I wouldn't say that you have a problem with embellishments <laughs> because you use them very, very well, but maybe you're just like you're selective and you, you take the time to figure out, okay, how do I want this to go and how many do I really need? Um, because when you do have a lot of white space, it's not this, you know, overly layered full page. It's, you know, we right. have to make decisions about, okay, what's going to go where so that it all feels balanced. I think that that's probably true. And I think too, that when I do make a page, my focus and my intention really is on the words and the photos. Like the embellishments are fun and they definitely make the page look fun, but that's not, you know, if it works, it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't. I, yeah, I think people would be surprised, really, f- to hear me say that, that that I find it difficult, but I do. And I think it's just my <laughs> just oh. my own hang-ups with, like, I don't know if that's right. I don't know if that feels right. I don't know if that looks right. And that's when I usually just have to clear the page and be like, okay, it's done. That's enough. Yes. No, I mean, I definitely have feel that similar kind of awkwardness of, you know, it feels so <laughs> – it looks so easy for others. <laughs> Right. But you're seeing the finished result, the final choices, not all the the 20 places they tried that embellishment before they made the decision, you know? Right. And really the bottom line is, is that not every page that I make do I love, right? Like there are Mm -hmm. pages I make that I'm just like, oh, well, that's fine. It's done. Moving on. And I've, I've come to be more okay with that. You know, I'm not performing brain surgery over here. So (laughs) just letting some stuff go. Yeah, there's definitely going to be ones that we appreciate more than others and others that like, I didn't like it at the time. And then I look back at it and I'm like, oh, that's pretty cool. I, you know, I really mm-hmm. like that I did that, even though in the moment I was like, oh, this is, you know, there was one like purple and black Halloween layout that I did. And I really struggled with those colors. And I look back at it and I'm like, that layout is fine. I don't know why I agonized so long. About I know. Why do we <laughs> why do that? I thought it was terrible. I know. I know. <laughs> Okay, so how do you stay motivated to create? Is it something that comes easy or naturally to you, or do you have to, you know, work at it and kind of facilitate your own motivation? Um, I would say it comes fairly easily, especially well, it's it's seasonal for sure, right? So it's summer and I've just had more time. Um and when I have the time, it's it's definitely easier. And of course, the more I create, the more creative I feel, I think is sort of a natural tendency for most people. But if I had to narrow it down, I think that two major ways that I, I feel like I stay motivated. Um, the first one is that I'm, I'm a pretty goal oriented person. You know, I like to make my lists. I like to cross thing, things off the list. And so I'll try to make goals for my memory keeping. Of course, I want them to be achievable. I'm not trying to make them impossible, but um, you know, so I can, cross it off my list, if you will. 
you know. Um, and the second way that kind of pairs really well with that is going back to the community aspect of this hobby is participating in community projects or community challenges. So one example I can give is the Story Kit Crush Challenge mm-hmm. that Crystal Udinante and Tashiana Gordon started last year, the year before, where they take one of the Allie Edwards story kits and they will crush it or um, try to use up the kit, tell as many stories as they can over the course of the month. And then on Fridays, we are all invited to post the layouts that we have made using those kits or any kit or whatever we're doing. And so one of my goals would be, well, every Friday I want to have a layout to share for Story Kit Crush. Um, Or like during December Daily, using that momentum of the community. Those community Mm. projects are some of my favorite because of the community, right? The inspiration is hot. The motivation is there because everybody's doing it together. I am not one of these that can work on my album Or I should say, I can't, I don't complete my album during the month of December. It's just not really feasible for me. But what I will do is I will set a goal. Like I want to work on it daily, whether that be writing my story at the end of the day, picking the cards that I want to use for that day. Um, What else will I do? I will, you know, choose a layout or edit my photo So that when the end of the month comes, like I've put some work into it and that motivation will kind of keeps moving me forward. Like I've got this part done. Now I just need to do this part. Um, So like those little goals paired with um, the community aspect of it with other people kind of working alongside you and working towards the same thing helps a lot. And then, of course, there are times when I don't feel motivated at all, and I just have learned to acknowledge that a break, <laughs> it's time to take a break. And mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm a person who really likes to keep my hands busy. I like to stay busy. I don't st- sit still very well. So I'll just do something else. You know, I'll get back into reading. Right now, I'm working on a couple cross-stitch projects. So when I just don't feel like sitting at the computer and editing photos, I'll go sit somewhere else and cross-stitch. Um, knowing that that motivation will come back. It always does. But sometimes you just have to acknowledge the break. It does. And I, and I love how you've really, you've recognized what type of accountability you need and what kind of really triggers your your motivation and your mojo for your hobby. Because I think when we start paying attention to that, we can lean into it more and, mm-hmm. and set better goals and expectations for ourselves. Because if you're not, if you're already meeting your goals, then great. Don't listen to anybody else or anything else (laughs) we're saying. But if you aren't reaching your goals, then maybe you need to set different goals or find other Mm -hmm. ways of supporting yourself to achieve them. We talk a lot about Gretchen Rubin here on the podcast and whether you're an upholder or obliger or one of her other four tendencies. And, you know, understanding your personality quirks is so important for tweaking your hobby in that little way so that you're finishing more projects and having more fun along the way. Yeah. Yeah. And really for me, there have been times where I have to kind of reevaluate my goals because if I'm not reaching them, then obviously they're too lofty or too, you know, whatever, whatever you have to have goals. Can sometimes fill our plate too full yeah. at times too, especially yeah. with fun, creative things. There have been moments where I've been too motivated and I'll be down in the basement. That's where my craft space is. And it'll be like, my family will be like, mom, <laughs> what's for dinner? And I'm like, oh, right. Oops. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. I'm coming. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, my daughter made a comment the other day, and of course, we've been home together for, what, 18 months now, and she's like, Mom, you're in your office an awful lot. <laughs> and so it's hard when your office is where you work and where you have your hobby. And so, you know, yeah. yes, I am in here a lot. So it's, <laughs> it's hard to defend that. That's true. That's true. <laughs> All right. So speaking of projects, what project are you most proud to have completed? This is also a very interesting question because I feel like I value finishing. Like mm-hmm. I'm going to start a project. I want to finish a project. But I feel like historically I'm a really great starter. <laughs> not so great at the finishing. Although I would say that I have gotten much, much better with that with age. Um, and again, it kind of goes back to what you value. Like if you, if you value this and if it matters to you, like finish it up. But as a whole, I would say that I'm, I'm most proud of my collection of week in the life albums and December daily albums. I started doing both of those projects in 2013. It was the year that my daughter was born and it just felt like the right, you know, like we were completing our family. I, I wish in hindsight, you know, it was something that I would have picked up years prior because those, those albums have so much value for me, but having that collection of, I have eight week in the life albums. I have eight December daily albums all together on the shelf and they're done. Like there's no catching up with those. And there's a lot of, um, pride. I think that comes with that because of the intensity kind of of both of those projects, right? Week in the life is very, you know, it's, it's only one week, but it's very intense in what you are, um, you know, documenting all of the things, trying to cover all of the, you know, all the ins and outs of daily life. And then there's a project like December daily, which is also very intense and it lasts a month or however long you want it to last for. Um, but that though they're both very intense, but they're both very different where one captures daily life and one captures for me captures, the holidays, which is my most favorite time of the year. And so for both, both the value of having finished and also the value of what those, you know, it's like this little treasure trove of our life, what they mean to me. I would say that, that those, those are the ones I think that I'm most, most proud of. This morning, I had another interview that will appear later in our series from one of our creative team members. And we were talking about Week in the Life and December Daily and how they're similar and different, but the intensity of these projects, but how they are so rewarding. And and I know that I've almost had to kind of shift my perspective on, you know, uh, filling my plate for the year. For a while, I was like, gosh, I never, I'm doing so much. I don't feel like I have enough time for these projects. But what if you flip that and say, okay, if I know I want to do these projects because they always spark either, you know, my storytelling or my crafty interests, how can I then, you know, make those the big rocks and how do I fill in the sand around that with my other projects, knowing that these are going to be on my plate? So, yeah. Yeah, that is a super perspective. Like, I love that so much. You know, if something matters to you, Kind of goes back to that whole idea of values. You know, if it matters to you, how are you making space for it? For sure. Yes. Yeah. Yes. All right. Let's dig more into the things that you are loving right now. We talked a little bit in the beginning. It's just about the community. But what are the formats and sizes that you're enjoying creating with right now? So I would say that I'm st- I still feel like and I still feel like I operate in kind of a traditional sort of scrapbooking mode. Um, I still keep and make pages for a 12 by 12 album, but I, the page sizes within that album 
vary greatly. Anything really from six by eight, six by eight, six by 12, nine by 12, 12 by 12. There, there's a variety of sizes within that large album. I like that. I like, I like being flexible and being able to really choose the format that works best for my story. I also um, really love the, the six by eight pockets, six by eight albums and the pocket pages in there. Those are the two sizes I think that I work in primarily. Um, I am doing a nine by 12 project life. I'm kind of falling out of love with project life right now. I'm struggling with it a little bit. And I don't know if it's the format. I don't know if it's, um, I'm not sure what it is right now because I loved it last year. I did a nine by 12 for the first time last year, a monthly format. I loved it. It's one of my most favorite albums. It's a completed album. Um, but I just am really struggling and not feeling it this year. So I'm reevaluating and, you know, for next year going forward in the spirit of finishing, I'm going to finish it. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to finish it for this year, but, but reevaluate for the future. But I have done like a couple three by eight album projects and, um, I started getting the, I wanted to try something different. That's kind of how I've been feeling this, this year is kind of, oh, let's just try something different and try something new. Um, I was interested in like the traveler's notebook or just the notebook format to be whatever size and, um, the everyday explorers mini book club. Mm-hmm. I started subscribing to that um, for two reasons. One, for the mini book, and two, because I wanted to start a small collection of stamps. And I really love Christine's stamps. Um, so I, I did get a short sub to that. but So I'm dabbling with that a little bit. But I do really consider myself still like a, you know, a 12 by 12 album kind of girl. Well, I think particularly with talking about your project life, that it's it's important to acknowledge that our interests are going to shift and that, I don't know, the, the idea that the way we're going to scrapbook is going to be the same throughout our entire scrapbooking life mm-hmm. uh, is going to just be the same. That's kind of almost an antiquated idea because then we're going to be missing out on so many opportunities to feel creatively energized and to tell, I think even more importantly, tell deeper, richer, better stories. Absolutely. And that actually jumping way ahead to the last questions about lessons learned, I won't, that's what I wanted to talk about was that idea of like being flexible and what you just said pretty much just nailed it Mm -hmm. on the head. Yeah. All right. Let's revisit that in a little bit. Yes. Yes. But so, so one more thing on those formats and sizes, because you talked about different album sizes. How are you feeling about that 10 by eight December daily album? (laughs) I I think that it's interesting and I think that it's not for me. Okay, I, okay. I um, I <laughs> part of it I think is because I'm slow to change. You know, mm-hmm. like I'm just I hang on to what I know and to what I love for a really long time. Like I can even remember with digital photography when we switched from film to digital, it took me a long time to come around to it because I was like, I want my pictures. I want them in my hand. I don't I don't want them on my computer, you know? Um, So just those kinds of changes take me a long time. If it is something that um, she continues to produce, that that 10 by 8 album is, you know, goes forward and people love it and and I see inspiration using it and Mm. I feel moved by it, I could change my mind. But right now I'm like, oh, fun for someone else, but not for me. I love that. And I totally respect that as well. And I think it's important to run through the pros and cons that are unique to you. 
Um, mm-hmm. I was attracted to the fact that you can put the three by eight and the six by eight page protectors in it as well. Yeah, that's have brilliant. Different page sizes. Yeah, because um, of course I have a giant stash of those, all yep. with the six holes. Um, but at the same time, I know I will have more success if I continue my version of Project Life right now, which is in a photo book. And that's where I even put my week in the life. I didn't do anything separate. I just did special pages inside my photo book. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I'm now I'm feeling this tension between, you know, creative, shiny object and right. <laughs> doing what I know is going to be most successful for me. Yeah. So, yep. It's definitely a balance for sure. Yeah. All right. What about your process? What is typically inspiring a new page when you get started? Yeah. Well, probably based. You could probably guess based on what we've talked about, but it's definitely the story. Um, I feel like that's why I do this anymore. Uh, I love the craft of it, of course. I love playing with paper. I love using my hands and making something. Um, but I wouldn't be doing it if I didn't have a story to tell. I don't think I would. I don't think I would be still doing this hobby if I was still just kind of slapping pictures on a page with without any context to go along with it. Definitely photos can spark a story that I want to tell. And the products that I use will definitely bring stories that I never would have thought of telling. Um, But it definitely, the story is my foundation and where I typically start. That's what I was curious about. Like when you're doing Story Kit Crush, how does that experience feel with using the products to shape and inform and inspire stories versus already just having a story ready? Yeah, it's for me, it, I, that's a good question. I know that I would not be telling the kinds of stories, the depth of stories, the variety of stories um, without that subscription. I've been subscribing to the story kits for mm, maybe five years. Mm-hmm. I think I just passed like the five year mark. So not from the very beginning, but, you know, close. And um, it, it's really hard for me to articulate exactly, you know, I feel like I have a good process. I go through a good, you know, brainstorming, like what, what, what stories could I tell with this kit? And it's really important for me, too, for those stories to be meaningful. Like, I don't, mm-hmm. I don't want to tell a story for the sake of putting a page together. So, but they do definitely, sometimes I'll have ideas you know, just based on my own brainstorming. And then I'll pick up ideas from the community and from the creative team and from the story chats they're now doing on Instagram for sure. And then I'll get the product and I'll kind of lay all the cards out in front of me and I'll see what products fit the stories that I know for sure I want to tell. And then there's usually at least one, if not a couple more stories that just based on the quote or the sentiment or an embellishment that will spark a different story that I hadn't thought of. Um, but I know I, I find stories so much more readily being sparked by those story kits than I do just like living my life. <laughs> oh yeah, and, for sure. You know, so um, I, I do kind of keep a running list. Like if I see somebody make a page, I don't know about, like an around here story or a currently story or uh, one of the ideas I had earlier this year was like, what are the signs of summer? How do I know that summer is on its way? Well, like I start seeing garage sales, you know, pop up. I start seeing 
I don't know, more people out walking their dog. I start saying, so like that sort of idea can come, but they don't come as readily as the story ideas I get from these prompts out of these story kits. Maybe there's a clue here with your project life conundrum or your your shift in your passion for it because project life is fundamentally very photo driven of what we did and what we took a picture of mm-hmm. and some of it's the things we didn't take a picture of whereas you're very deep into story first creating right now and so maybe that's the mismatch for you I think that that is part of it for sure it's interesting that you bring that up um my and there have been a few years where I haven't done Project Life. You know, shortly after my daughter was born, there's a few years missing. And I would like to go back and um, just put those photos, like, in a photo book so that I have, like, I, when I talk about having those tangible photos in my hand, you know, like, I don't want those to live on my computer. I want to see them in a book. But I don't have the energy or the memory to write stories for six, five, six years ago, Um but I want those photos. And so when I think about it now, it's kind of like, I wouldn't have a problem. I don't think not doing project life. Like I have not done it in the past. And I don't think I would have a problem not having an album like for 2022. My difficulty in kind of giving it up is that story, like that everyday story. Mm. I still value it so much, but it's like you said, it's not... It's not as exciting to me right now. I, I don't even know if that's fair to say. I don't I don't even know. When I really think about one of the issues for me is time. Like I only have so much time. We all only mm-hmm. have so much time to invest in this hobby. And when I sit down to work on something, Project Life is not the thing that I want to work on. You know, I want to work on these other layouts, these story kit layouts or, you know, a different project. And yeah, it's an interesting point. I'm not... I'm not sure because I like both kinds of stories and there's a little bit of worry or fear. That's not really the right word of losing those everyday stories because I do value them so much. Mm, yes. Yes. <sighs> I see that. So I don't know. I don't know. I'm in a bit of a fix right now about it, but I'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. Yeah. No, I mean, you have time and it's, yeah, it's always okay to marinate. I remember yeah. when Project Life first came out, like when it really started becoming hot and we started getting kit clubs and all these different things for, for pocket pages. I was like, I, this weekly format I know is not for me, but what mm. is for me? And so I just had to sit with that and wrestle with the indecision mm-hmm. until, you know, I found something that I thought I could even try. And of course, that's evolved over time. Yeah. So, but yeah, marinating is sometimes what we need to do. And just some, at some point, it'll become clear. Yep. Yep. And I'm not real stressed about it. I'm just kind of letting it be for now. And we'll see. Yeah. We'll see what happens. All right. Before we go here, I want to talk just a little bit about organization. Are you a super tidy or are you kind of a little bit in chaos? I like to consider myself a tidy person. All right. In some awesome. areas of my life, it's better than in others. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, of course. But, but yeah, I definitely, I am fortunate enough to have a space in the basement um, dedicated to my crafts, the craft room. Um, I'm on team like Ikea products, right? I have nice. the the shelving systems and the drawers and the boxes and things like that. I have learned, I've always known, I think that I'm a visual learner, but that has translated into having to have, I'm one of those that has to have my product visible to use it. So I have a 
a table and on my table, I have those um, wooden boxes from Ikea. My supplies are sorted by type, you know, chipboards all together, cards are all together, um, you know, a stack of word phrase stickers are all together, like um, rubber embellishments together, acetate pieces together, that sort of thing. Um, my tools are all handy right there. Yeah. So, you know, having the space is nice. Um, I I feel really grateful for it, but yeah, I, I like to keep it tidy and I like to keep it, you know, out so I can see it. Are there any like particular solutions that you want to recommend to others or things that you changed and now something that wasn't quite working was, is now really working for you? And it could really be any aspect of your hobby. Um, I think one of the things that is working for me, at least, I don't know, and it kind of came about accidentally, was album storage. So mm-hmm. we, um, like I have these big 12 by 12 albums and I have quite a few 6 by 8 albums. Like eventually over time they take up quite a bit of state space. And they used to be on that Calyx IKEA cubing system, you know shelving system Mm -hmm. because they fit perfectly in there in our basement. Well, unfortunately in May of last year, in May of 2020, um, our County experienced what they call a historic 500 year flood. Um, two of the dams in our area were breached and they flooded like our entire city. And gratefully, gratefully our house remained dry, but it, uh, had it gotten wet, had we flooded, I mean, people's homes were filled with water, like halfway up their main floor. Like mm-hmm. we would have lost everything in that basement, which means I would have lost all of my scrapbooks mm-hmm. and that would have been devastating. And so that was kind of our immediate <laughs> response to that was we need to clean out the basement and anything that we do not want to lose up here needs to be moved to higher ground. And so what that has done, both like, um, you know, to, to save the scrapbooks, but also when they're in the basement, nobody looks at them, but I have brought them upstairs. They're all, there's so many of them. There's quite a few. There's some in my closet. There's some in the, in the kids' closets, just where I have found space to store them. But there are some in the living room. There's some on the bookshelf in the dining room, like they're out. And so people can look at them. Granted, I'm the one who looks at them most of the time, Um, but there's value in keeping our books out like right that's why we make these things is for people to see them and and you know if they're stored away in the basement or or in a room that nobody goes into they're not really going to be looked at so I think that that's you know both from a practical standpoint of you know putting them where they're safe if you will um just having them out to be viewed has come to be really really valuable here in our house anyway did you have to adjust any of your storage solutions on your main level in order to accommodate the 12 by 12 albums? Well, I have, um, I do have one shelf that is tall enough, um, to hold some of them. And like I said, a lot of them are in, our kids have extra spacious closets. (laughs) (laughs) So there is room up there. Um, I did have to move other stuff around. It was kind of like that whole, uh, if you give a mouse a cookie scenario, (laughs) I was like, okay, if I want to put these books in this, like there's a curio cabinet in our dining room. If I want to put my six by eight albums in here, okay, where am I going to put what's in there now? You know, and it's kind of like, okay, I can move those there. Well, if I'm going to move them there, then I have to take that stuff out. So it was a little bit more like that. But those, um, I do have a couple shelves that will already accommodate 
the 12 by 12s, which was nice. But like I said, most of the older, old, old stuff is, is still tucked away kind of in a closet upstairs. So not everything is super hands-on accessible, but a lot more is than what used to be. Well, and certainly it's more safe than it was before. Yes. Yes. So it's certainly something for people to think about. Of course, my oldest son was like, well, you know, mom, everything's well and good until the roof leaks. (laughs) I was like, honey, (laughs) that's not helpful. Like you can't help everything, right? Like we can't help natural disasters. We can't help. We're not going to, you know, whatever, but it's just kind of like, Yeah. I mean, you can your, make smart, desu- smart yes. decisions for, you know, right. the most likely worst scenario. Yeah, I don't for, know. But yeah, I think like, it's important to think about. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So anyway. <laughs> We've been talking a lot about photo management um, as of the time of this recording inside our community. And just this idea of storing your photos, your recent ones and your older ones in the climate controlled areas where you live, not in your basement, mm-hmm. not in your garage, not in the attic, because that's what's going to give them their best longevity and yeah. make sure they're safe. Um, and particularly when you do have an extreme event, it's more likely they'll be okay. So Yeah. And even the idea of spreading them out, you know, like they were all on the same shelf in the same room. You know, if if something unfortunate happened, they're still kind of fairly good odds that maybe that room won't be touched and those albums will be okay. You know, I don't know. It's all, you got to do what you got to do, but. All right, let's dig back into that biggest lesson learned from your scrapbooking experience. Yeah. What do you have to share? I just, you know, I think that it's just so important to give ourselves room to break our own rules. You know, like you Mm. mentioned about how we, how when Project Life came along and for me, I know, I know for sure that I made some kind of mental declaration that I love this. I love this pocket page. I love this weekly documenting. I love the everyday stories. This is how I'm going to do it for the rest of my life. Like, <laughs> I am sure because I'm just that kind of person, I guess, that that was kind of my mentality around it. Well, if that's that's my perspective, it's going to be very, very hard to change when something different comes along, because this is the way I've always done it. Well, if I'm not excited about it anymore, or if it's not serving me anymore, you know, it's kind of time to look, look bigger and broader and try something different. And I think that that's been the biggest thing for me is to be okay, trying something new. And if it doesn't work, you know, it didn't work. Like I said, we're not, we're not sending people to the moon. We're not like performing brain surgery. Like let's keep this hobby fun and light and meaningful and, um, you know, tell your story. Like that will always be number one for me, despite what kind of format or page configuration or product or whatever I have. So for me, it's just been learning how to be flexible, learning how to try, learning how to keep it fun and light and kind of being okay, breaking, breaking the own rules that I've made up in my head that don't mean anything anyway. Very well said. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much. This has been so fun. Can you share where we can find you online? Anything fun or new you have coming up? Well, like I said, I'm just a mom in my basement (laughs) playing with with pretty paper. I um, am just on Instagram. My handle over there is scrap and tell. Kind of a little take on show and tell and telling stories. So it's scrap and tell over on Instagram. All right. Sounds great. We will include that link in our show notes. And again, thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Thank you, Jennifer. 
And to all of our listeners, please remember that you have permission to scrapbook your way. If you like the podcast, you'll love being a member. When you join, you'll get access to weekly Zoom crops, bi-monthly retreats, and a huge content library. You can head over to simplescrapper.com slash membership to learn more and join our creative community.